So, Rachel. Yeah? A distress call from Lieutenant Noonien Singh compels Spock to disobey orders and take the USS Enterprise and its crew into disputed space. Mm. What do you think you're going to get? Oh, we're back on Strange New World. Yeah. Let's say Lana's been captured trying to find the girl's family and the aliens are within their own law, sure. having done so. Yeah, yeah. She says, all is not as it seems, help. Pike says, hey, I love Lan, but we're risking war, plus these other people, miners or something, need this shipment urgently. But Spock knows they can do both, ties everyone up and goes for it. Also, Spock's trying to help free Una. Hey, Chris. Yeah? You should guess too. <gasps> I get to make a guess. Let's have a duel. Oh, okay. Well, I think Pike will be out trying to help Una, putting Spock in the captain's chair for the first time. Oh, that makes more sense. I think. Uh, Lon is out maybe in Orion territory. Broken circle. Hmm, don't know. But they have to rescue her. She's in trouble. And uh, let's just throw one in. Mbenga gets into microbrewing. <laughs> Yay! Mbrews. Mm, Instead of homebrews. Mbrews. Mm, <laughs> That'd be great. Let's see who's right. Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's Log, Stardate 2369.2. Enterprise is in space dock at Starbase 1. The crew is taking some well-deserved leave, while Chief Fleet Inspector Commander Pelia and her team from Operational Support Services are running comprehensive inspections, systems checks, and upgrades. I've had my hands full on Enterprise getting everything ready, but even from afar, I sense a tension here among the brass that I can't pin down. The feeling that something is in the air. But right now, I have a crisis closer to home to deal with. Will the circle be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by? There's a better home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackett. What just happened? <laughs> don't you know that song? No. Oh, okay. No, I don't. It's a hymn, but it's been covered by a lot of... People, I think, maybe, including Johnny Cash. I don't know. Wow. That is not very Star Trek-y. Yeah, but it is the title of this episode. And I am Chris Lackey on Rachel Watches Star Trek. So yes. not necessarily appropriate. How can it be inappropriate if it's the name of the show, Chris? It's the Broken Circle. I get it. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> right. Uh, welcome to Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 1. If you're joining us for the first time, or for the first time in a while, all of our episodes are on Patreon. We'll be alternating TNG all through our Strange New World coverage because we got to have some of the old with the new. That's just mm -hmm. how we roll. Mm, sexy. Now, this episode is written by Henry Alonzo Myers and Akiva Goldsman, the two Strange New Worlds co-showrunners who co-wrote the season one closer, Equality of Mercy. Myers' previous episodes include Children of the Comet and Spock Amok. Ah, no wonder this one's funny then. Yeah. Into the story. The Enterprise is docked at Starbase One for maintenance and inspection. Captain Pike is chatting with Una on screen. I don't think he'd be able to have contact with her. That's it, something at least. It looked like she was in prison, maybe, or in some kind of captivity. Previously on, reminded us, as if we could forget, even me, that she was carted off to Federation jail for being in violation of the Starfleet regulations about genetic engineering. Because, of course, we found out that she's um, an augment. 
She and Pike have both tried to contact a mysterious lawyer whom they believe is the only person with any chance of getting Una off the charges, but they've been ghosted. Pike says do not take the plea and resign. It would be too great a loss to the ship and to me. So he's going to head three days journey to knock on this lawyer's door. And I hope they're a really fun, silly personality or alien or something. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, wasn't there a TOS lawyer in one of the trial episodes i wonder if it's the return of that character i would really like them to have four or more arms we could see some of that alien that the piano playing one she went the art route but her twin became a lawyer the parents are only proud of one of them but you'd be surprised which one well this could be the grandmother mm, oh right yeah remember we yes, are yes different time 70 years yeah they might be they might live for a long time i don't know now spock is less than enthused to find out the pike is going on personal leave for three days they don't have a chief engineer they don't have a chief of security mm. it's all falling apart Chill out, Spock. It's only three days and the Enterprise is in dock for maintenance. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, if nothing does, it'll be a rather boring episode. Yeah. Cut to Dr. Mbenga diagnosing Spock with stress. Oh. Now, remember, Spock let his emotions out when fighting the Gorn. Oh, yeah. So Mbenga warns him that he may not be able to get all of them all neatly back in the box again. Oh, poor Spock. They do seem to keep forgetting that he's half human, but maybe because he identifies as Vulcan, they just treat him that way. Mm. And Benga does a bit of what they call social prescribing here, because we've run out of medicine in the NHS, so they just prescribe a knitting club instead. Things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. In this case, Mbenga pulls a Vulcan loot out. Is he running a musical instrument shop out of sickbay? <laughs> yeah, he just had that right there, yeah. ready to go. You can't replicate something that quickly, can you? No, I, I think you're right. I think he has a music shop as a side <laughs> business. What if it's a haunted loot that starts so many shenanigans? Wow. That'd be great. Looking forward to that in later episodes. <laughs> Spock starts to play and his heart rate comes down immediately until whoop. In comes Nurse Chapel. Don't ask, says Chapel after Spock bolts. Is this all the fake snog? Seem to be making a lot of it, don't they? Get over it, guys. Well, Chapel's got plans for an archaeological medical fellowship and Mbenga will be gutted to lose her. She's his Una. But chill, baby. It's only two months. You won't get rid of me that easily. And I was thinking, oh no, foreshadowing. Oh. Are they going to get rid of her? But I'm glad somebody's studying Vulcan medicine properly. Although that will make little sense of TOS. Plus, she can have loads of hot sex with Spock lookalikes. What? On Vulcan. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to exactly. be sweet. I was like, did he get cloned? What's happening? Oh. <laughs> you just mean Vulcans. Unless she finds the giant spark. No, yeah, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> now, on the bridge, inspectors and maintenance engineers are busybodying all over the place, nitpicking at Ortegas, pushing her horror around, or trying to, because she's back off, buddy. Yeah. This is my console. I got it set up the way I like it. Boo for them. The engineer protests that they are in space dock. How many messages can there be incoming? And when that happens, right on cue, there's a message that comes in. <laughs> so Hura gets to go face. <laughs> yeah. She reports to Spock, who hides that he's practicing his loot, that it's a distress call originating from the Kajitar system on the edge of Klingon space. And it's from La'an. Mm -hmm. Okay. You were quite excited at this point, looking at all of the female crew members who were uh, in important roles there. Everybody on... The bridge is a female crew member. Yeah, yeah. and I, I was loving her putting her boundaries in. You yeah. know, this person was trying to steamroll her. She knew what was the right and safe thing to do. 
Spock calls Admiral April on Starbase One for permission to respond, but is refused. Kajitar 4 is rich in dilithium and governed by a strict treaty between the Federation and Klingon Empire. They alternate access to the planet every 30 days, and it's the Klingons' turn right now. Well, that's very reasonable, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well done. If the Enterprise turns up now, it'll be an act of war. So if it's from Lan, she'll have to hang in there until the Federation shift next month. Boo, Admiral April. Spark calls a meeting. He's wrong. That message has to be from La'an. She knows our maintenance schedule. It, it was beamed right at us. Still, could be deception. Even a trap. The Admiral was pretty definitive. Yeah. Our former comrade is in trouble. She has indicated aid to her is essential for the safety of the Federation. I will need your help to get the inspectors off the ship and achieve our objective. But I will not ask you to do something you believe is wrong. If you wish to leave or report this plan, I will not stand in your way. What plan? I would have thought it obvious. We must steal the Enterprise. Oh, yay! <laughs> Straight into it. Spock goes from zero to 60 in 1.0 seconds. Yeah. Please don't leave me, Dad. I can't be in charge for three days. <laughs> Let's steal the Enterprise. Yeah. Yay, I, heist. His emotions are very powerful at the moment. He's decisive. The plan goes into action. Mitchell heads to engineering and simulates a coolant link in the intermix chamber. Red alert sounds and the inspectors are to evacuate the ship. Except one. The chief inspector, Commander Pelia, strolls calmly onto the bridge. Forget stealing the ship. Somebody's about to steal the show. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> Pelia is played by Emmy Award winning Academy Award nominated Carol Kane, star of films including Dog Day Afternoon, Annie Hall, The Princess Bride and Scrooge. But possibly most recognized for her role as Latka's wife, Simka, in Taxi. Hmm. She also starred in recent Amazon Prime series Hunters alongside on-screen husband and Trek alum Saul Rubinek. He was Kivas Fajo on The Most Toys. Remember the oh. guy that wanted to collect data? Oh, my gosh. I'm sure he's not as creepy as he was in that no, character. Oh, he's a great actor. Pelia is not fooled. Her team spent three days inspecting that intermixed chamber, and she knows there's nothing wrong with it. She also asked Spock if he was aware that she teaches a class on warp core breaches at the Academy. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and she's instantly likable, very entertaining, and has the best hair. Quite flirty, too. The crew exchange worried glances. Pelia examines some readouts and determines someone deliberately simulated the coolant leak. Spock tries his best to maintain the charade. Why would someone do that, he asks. And we get this. I can think of one reason. To the Enterprise? Or do you want to tell me that's not what's happening here? Yes, you can always count on a Vulcan's inability to lie. Another thing I know about Vulcans, they don't do things without a good reason. Do you have a good reason to steal the ship? I am having what you humans call a hunch. A Vulcan with a hunch? That's a new one. And not just any Vulcan. Amanda Grayson's son. How do you know me? Well, if you're going to steal a starship, do it correctly. Hell, can you vent ionized plasma from the warp nacelles? I could, but should I? Why are you helping us? Oh, please. 
We can spend a lot of time talking about this, or we can go. You decide. <laughs> She's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad they've got her on board for the heist. Uh, Spock tells Ortegas to follow Paleo's instruction to vent ionized plasma from the warp nacelles. There's a boom, and the star base blows the docking clamps immediately and orders the Enterprise to put some distance between them. Paliot notes that the ship is short a chief engineer for the mission. Hint, hint. It, <laughs> and she says, it's been a hundred years since she's been out with engines of her own. Ortega scoffs, and Paleus says, it's a long story, a really long story. <laughs> then she heads for the turbo lift. That's a clue Ohura needed to place Pelia's accent. You're a Lanthanite. Okay, we haven't met them before, have we? No, I went and looked them up. This is a new thing. All right. Starbase One is hailing, but Spock is not picking up. He says the Kajitar system warp factor five. Ortegas baits him to say a catchphrase. Pike says hit it. I'd say vamonos, <laughs> like Dora the Explorer. I thought that was a bit of a weak catchphrase yeah. for Ortegas. You say, and we get this. I would like the ship to go. Now. Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> oh, Spock. <laughs> Zoom, off to Kajitar 4. On the planet, Lan is putting a Klingon under the table in a blood wine drinking contest. It looks quite chunky as she swallows and tries not to hurl. Great performance. She's being totally badass, but you can see it's not easy. It's quite the trope, this, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Marion is introduced doing the same in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. Genetics on the Teamsters in 30 Rock. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Leslie tries to get rid of Ron's ex-wife this way in Parks and Recreation. All right, yeah. There's a lot more incidents of, of men doing the drinking competitions, uh, one of which is in TOS by any other name. Scotty has a drinking contest with one of the alien Kelvins who've taken over the Enterprise. That's right, I remember, <laughs> yeah. As her opponent runs off to regurgitate his honour, Another Klingon takes the seat. And Lan says, you know what I want? A meeting with Grainax tonight. Lan spots Mbenga then, who's just casually wandering by in his local clothing. Lan meets with the rest of the crew and can't believe that they stole the Enterprise. Uh, the planet is kind of rocky, very dark. It has these really cool columns, huge, mm. gigantic stone formations that yeah. go up very high, almost like skyscrapers. She explains that during the war, the dilithium they mine here was being sold to the highest bidder for astronomical prices. Now that the war is over, the prices are back to normal. The Broken Circle, a syndicate made up of ex-Klingon and Federation soldiers, has decided peace is bad for business, hmm. and they've been buying up Federation tech. Huh. La'an found Oriana's family, by the way, the girl oh. that they saved from the Gorn last season, here on Kajagugu 4. <laughs> a recent explosion in the mine caused half the town to fall ill from ion exposure, including them. God, she was quick finding them, wasn't she? I wonder how much time's passed. I think they said three months, didn't oh, they? Oh, okay. Mbenga says that suggests photon torpedoes, that type of radiation. Hmm. Yeah, he and Chapel have been in the stuff. And they served in the Klingon War and can't believe that when 100 million Federation bodies were slaughtered, somebody <gasps> wants to start the war all over again. Oh, my For goodness. profit. 100 million. Yeah. Just from the Federation. Chapel and Mbenga take supplies to the med tent. Spock and Uhura will assist Lan with her investigation. Oriana takes them to her mother's, one of whom is by the other's bedside, and they use a hypo to repair the genetic damage. But a Klingon woman notices this and offers Chapel a job. 
at gunpoint. Yeah. La'an meets with Greynax, selling Federation phasers to him, doubling her price and pulling an antimatter detonation switch on him to seal the deal. Mm, that's cool. She later confesses to Uhura that the switch is definitely not a thing. <laughs> Uhura was able to translate enough to know that whatever the Klingons have planned is happening tomorrow. She asks if they should call Starfleet, but Spock says they need more evidence before he should talk to Admiral April again. Felt a little bit like they were just making sure Uhura was useful here because <laughs> they said that it's like an unusual Klingon dialect or something, but surely the universal translator would be able to yeah. make easy work of that. Unless they were speaking in like pig Latin or something stupid like that, <laughs> that they'd made up themselves. Mbenga and Chapel are marched into a huge cave created by decades of dilithium mining. So those spindly pillars of rock are what's left, I guess, once they've dug hundreds yeah. of feet down. The camera pans to reveal a Federation starship looks similar to the Enterprise, and they're put to work on it, treating ion burn victims. It's triggering for Mbenga, but he says, I'm in control. They realize that if it's armed, the ship could be used to attack Klingons and kick off the whole war again. Oh. Mbenga thinks there'll be comms on the bridge and produces two green vials from his kit. Reluctantly, Chapel hypos up two and their pupils dilate. They're turning Klingon! Or werewolf! They're going to be invisible. I think it's just speed, basically. <laughs> Some kind of adrenaline booster thingamajiggy. Yeah. Super strong and maybe numb to pain. I don't know. Seems that way. Moments later, Chapel and Benga are lying out broken circle goons left and right and, cent and center. Don't forget about that. Don't forget center. Uh, tossing Klingons around like they're wharf. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long fight scene. Uh, a little way too long. I, I was oh. kind of going, you know, we don't really need to keep seeing them beat up people. Yeah, maybe just cut between, do a bit of a montage or something. There's, uh, and this is a thing that I don't like about fight scenes in a lot of movies and TV and they do this where the conflict isn't important. At this point mm. when I'm watching the fight, I knew that they weren't going to lose. So I'm like, just get it over with. If, yeah, or even if they are going to lose, we don't need to see the entire, every single step towards them losing. To have a good fight scene, there has to be stakes. And the stakes mm -hmm. of this seem to be, you know, they might get caught, they might not get caught. But everything that we were seeing was showing us that they weren't going to get caught. Yeah, I assumed the stakes of it were going to be some terrible repercussions to having taken this medicine. Yes. Like an awful come down in some way. That doesn't happen. No. And I <laughs> yeah. think that was a mistake because yeah. if there's these drugs that exist, why aren't we seeing them all over yeah, exactly. Star Trek? And Benga finally beats a, a plan out of one of the Klingons. Yeah, it was brutal. I was worried for everybody at that point. It was not very Starfleet, but then he, he's been in a war before and he wants to stop one happening again. Really yeah. badly. And he's hopped up on green, green well, group, whatever that is. And triggered. Yeah, see, so I thought maybe that that would be something cool too, where they would tie in the drugs into him going nuts and mm -hmm. being violent and then maybe having some regret afterwards. Yeah. But we don't get that. Not yet, anyway. Chapel does have to pull Mbenga off the Klingon before he strangles him to death. Now, the Klingon quickly coughs up the details on the ship's defenses, and, and then Mbenga asks him if there's a transponder on the ship. The Klingon begins to say, I will never... And then Mbenga gives him a dead-eye stare, and he immediately says it's on deck 13. <laughs> As thanks, Mbenga kicks him unconscious. Oh, that seemed a bit harsh, even for a Klingon. He'd, he'd helped him. Well, yeah. Is this why it's rated 15? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the whole series is rated 15, and there's mm. some more suggestive things that happen, but I don't know. It seemed like an awful high rating. Mm. Mbenga reprograms the transponder to, to send a simple message while Chapel beats the crap out of some Klingons with a pipe. <laughs> More fighting, ages more. Then they make for the airlock. 
uh-oh, the green juice is running out. So now they're in trouble, aren't they? But luckily, although Chapel's starting to feel the blows now, the two of them have got enough in the tank to brutally beat down yet another <laughs> wave of Klingons. They look out of the airlock viewport. The ship is taking off. In orbit, a Klingon D7 battle cruiser drops out of warp, and this is good old-fashioned, original series-looking ship. Mm. It's not the old Discovery-looking Klingon ships, which were totally different. Also, to point out, the Klingons now look like TNG Klingons. Yeah, we'll so go into that more later. They got, obviously got rid of that Discovery stuff. because Very they, happy to see it. Nobody liked it. <laughs> the battle cruiser drops out of warp, observed by the Enterprise, which is hidden in a field of interstellar ice and rock. Ortega says that from the Klingons' perspective, they look like space junk. Now, the fake Federation ship erupts out of the ground behind Lon. That's a good shot. Yeah. Nice, yeah. It looked really cool. Uh, Mitchell detects the launch on the Enterprise and thinks it's a Crossfield class, same class as Discovery, uh, though it looks kind of like a kit bash across mixing two different things together. Oh, two model kits yeah. together? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Kit bash? Yeah. <laughs> That's cute. It's a Crossfield saucer attached to a different hull, I think. It's no match for a Klingon heavy cruiser in combat, so mm. that's kind of strange. Uhura notes that the ship's transponder is pinging Morse code. Ah, oh, well done. That says, Enterprise, destroy this ship. Oh, now that's a good code to send. Yeah. Yeah, it's much better than just the word Riker. Things we've had in the past. <laughs> Spock theorizes correctly what is going on. They thought it was worth their lives to prevent another war. Logical. Oh. Speaking of Mbenga and yeah. Chapel. Meanwhile, Chapel and Mbenga are running out of time. The broken circle will soon break through the airlock door. They check the lockers for EV suits. But it's not in very good condition. However, uh, the suit does have a beacon on it. The broken circle ship is within firing range. Spock orders them to follow but hold their fire. Meanwhile, Chapel and Mbenga's search has turned up just one battered EV suit and helmet and a dilapidated chest pack. Mm. The broken circle ship fires on the Enterprise as it closes in on the Klingon cruiser. Ortegas does some fancy flying, and Spock continues to hold fire. He is scared. Oh, he's really scared. They may have to kill two of his friends. Mbenga realizes there's a beacon in the helmet and an attitude jet in the pack. If they jump out of the airlock and maneuver away from the ship, holding onto each other, they'll have about a minute in space until they freeze to death. Maybe they'll be rescued in that mm. minute. Yeah. Yep, terrible idea, says Chapel. So let's get to it. The battlecruiser sees the Enterprise arming disruptors. Mitchell says there's only time for one shot. Spock gives the command to fire, closes his eyes, and bows his head. Chapel and Omega are blown out into space. The broken circle ship explodes. Spock opens his tear-filled eyes and watches as it comes apart. But Uhura has detected the suit transponder. Kicking ass again. Yeah. Spock orders them beamed over immediately, and they materialize on the floor of the little stage covered in frost. <laughs> Manga is conscious, but Chapel is not moving. Spock begins CPR saying, I waited. I waited for you. You don't die. You don't die. You don't die. And we see her hazy POV while he's still doing the chest compressions, which is weird because if she can be looking at him, then he needs to stop doing that. I don't know if you can be conscious while your heart has stopped. You're not alive if your heart stopped. You can't be looking. When your heart stops, that just means blood isn't moving. So how long can your, your brain go without oxygen? You've still got some time before your brain uh, dies of oxygen deprivation mm -hmm. or you get brain damage. So that's why you're doing CPR, trying to keep it pumping. Yes. Yes, but I didn't know you could ever have your eyes open and be looking at somebody. I, I think you can. Has nice happened to you? Let us know. It hasn't happened to me. I don't know. <laughs> well, she breathes. He cries. Yeah. Now, Spock is hailed by the Klingon captain, Dachok, 
who demands an explanation as to why they destroyed their own ship. T'Chalk is played by Andrew Jackson, who has a great long list of IMDb credits, character parts, voice acting stuff ranging from 213 episodes as Dr. Stephen Hamill in the soap opera All My Children oh my gosh. to the infamous love sausage in The Boys. Uh, There's a super hero, super villain who oh. has a giant prehensile penis. Oh, Okay. DeChock thinks they destroyed the ship to cover their tracks. Spock tries the old Vulcans cannot lie line, mm -hmm. but DeChock does not believe in legends. He only trusts a man when he looks in his eyes. So Spock invites him to a blood wine meeting. He tells Spock he's no typical Vulcan. Spock agrees. No, it would seem I am not. And that's okay, Spock. That's part of the theme of the episode, isn't it? Yeah. Him finding himself, him accepting himself as Vulcan and not fully Vulcan and now emotional. On the surface of the planet, Spock is downing blood wine with the Klingon captain and his crew who cheer and roar, peace through booze. Yeah. Spock sees Palia, and as the Klingon captain chuckles and wanders off, he goes to speak with her, and we get this. Are you actually Lanthanite? Oh, a couple of drinks and you get personal. That it, Flyboy? I am. I have always been fascinated by your people. That you managed to live on Earth among other humans undetected until the 22nd century is remarkable. You know your mother was one of the first people I came out to. I did not. That's a tale for another time. And now you teach engineering at Starfleet Academy. Taught. You ask me why I helped you. You want to know the worst thing about living? Almost forever. The loss of those you love. Oh, you sweet, unvulcan Vulcan. No, that's a pain. Shared by all those who live with even a half-open heart. No. It's boredom. And on that ship of yours, there seems to be a shortage of that. I like it. I might even try and stick around. Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, please do stick yeah, around. She Love is you. great. Yeah, I want more of her. <laughs> to chuck toasts to the Vulcan who acts nothing like a Vulcan. Post-blood wine binge drinking, Spock is being chewed out by Admiral April for disobeying orders, risking hundreds of lives and the peace of, in the quadrant. And Spock is hungover. Oh, God, that used to be so awful going into work hungover. <laughs> I would never do it now, but <laughs> back in my 20s. Oh, and yeah. then being told off on top of that. Oh, oh no, no, yeah. no. Spock explains it as the after effects of a peace treaty with the Klingon captain. <laughs> he did what he thought was right. And he followed this, how you say, gut. <laughs> April tells them to consider the Klingon ha hangover as his punishment, but there better be no next time. Oh, you old softy. Though we already know that he'll steal the Enterprise again in about seven years' time to take Pike to Talos IV. <laughs> yeah, justified. He loves stealing starships. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Obviously, it makes sense. It's pretty insane that he stole a ship. However, he did overt war. Yeah, yeah. That's what captains have got to do sometimes. Exactly. Cut to Spock crying, watching Chapel sleep in sick bay then playing his lute to try and feel better. And we end with this from Admiral April and Commodore Tafoon on Starbase One. You let Spock off easy. He just kept us from potentially having to defend two fronts at the same time, even if he doesn't know it. In any case, he's one of our best. And if this war happens, 
We're gonna need every good officer we've got. April turns to look at a tactical map showing an, an object on the border. Identification, Gorn attack ship. Uh-oh. After the screen turns black, we get a dedication message. It says for Nichelle, who was the first through the door and showed us the stars. Hailing frequencies forever open. Aww. Aww. Lovely. So, consents. Can Spock follow his gut now that he's got his emotions unlocked? Mm -hmm. And will that be helpful? It was today. Yeah. He seems like a teen who's just starting to face strong emotions that are overwhelming and he needs to work out how to manage and understand them. Yeah. And gets way into music like a teen to try and deal with it. He starts as a reluctant leader, thrusts several ranks up, but only while the ship's docked. You know, it's yeah. going to be fine. But as soon as he gets the call to action, wham, decisive, going on logic, morality and instinct, immediate decision mm -hmm. and follows it through. He didn't seem phased about being naughty. No. At all. <laughs> Very much impacted by the fear of killing Chapel and Mbenga though. And I love an arc for Spock. I love the actor and I love the role. But if they're going to keep him being emotional, something lost there, I think, he's unique, isn't he? Yeah. There's a lot of comedy in him being logical. Of course, they'll have to get him back to being Vulcan by the time TOS takes over. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's cool to play around with him at this time where he's sort of just finding himself. And I think that's interesting before he becomes the Spock that we know and love. So yeah, yeah. I'm all for it. Pike was determined to try what Una says is futile and go after this lawyer. And he's got the hubris that he'll be able to do something about it. And also that nothing could happen in his absence. Mm. Bit of a weird episode without him in it. No Una either. Yeah. Strange way to start the season off. Yeah. I thought they would have maybe done it the other way around. But I guess from a story standpoint, it would make more sense to give Spock that opportunity. Because if they did... Pike resolving the problem first and then like, well, this happened while the other thing was going on. Mm. It wouldn't feel right. So no, I, they, did, they did the right decision. Carol Kane's species as almost immortal. And she's so bored <laughs> and needs an adventure. And she can't teach this stuff anymore. She's got to go and do it. Yeah. And uh, be part of a team. Lan is clearly very good at finding parents. <laughs> and if that wasn't enough, she had to uncover a plot, drink Klingons under the table, call in the cavalry and save everybody's ass. Just a... Uh, an average working day yeah. for Lan. Seems like she'd been there for quite a while. But I don't know, maybe she's just done that kind of thing before. Yeah. We had restarting a war because war is profitable. Terrible truth. A human Klingon alliance to do so, was it? Yeah. Were humans mixed up yeah, in that's trying what they to get said. it started again? Yeah, it, it's a bit odd. I don't quite understand this because the Broken Circle want to make money. How did they find that ship? I mean, they had to know that was going to be a suicide mission. So did they mm. dupe people into flying that ship and attacking them? Mm, yeah, they don't mind a bit of double crossing, do they? Yeah, so maybe they double cross some people to do it. But if they, if the Broken Circle were actually on that ship, that would why would they, for profit, kill themselves? That doesn't make any sense. So mm. maybe like there's some old mafia thing where if you take one for the team, your family gets a bunch of money. Oh yeah, yeah. So maybe they did something like that. I don't know. It's a little fuzzy on the whole motivation of those people. Mm. And is it really an honourable way to die for the Klingons? Well, I'm not feeling too inspired by these concepts, I must no, say. No. I'm just thinking a five or a six, actually. Yeah. What are you thinking? I'm saying, I'm thinking the same thing. There's some neat stuff with Spock and his emotions and dealing with that. It's just a straight up adventure story. So yeah. for concepts, it's, uh, yeah, five. Five. Entertainment. Loved Carol Kane. Yeah. Great addition. Hope she's in it for ages. Yeah. Funny, sexy, cheeky, quirky. 
got to love a heist as well and uh, seeing Spock find his way as a captain and having to navigate emotions. Great. See, Spock, they don't cloud your logic. You you still make the right decisions. It just hurts a lot more. <laughs> you know, what I really dig about this episode, one thing uh, is you're talking about there's a heist. I'm going, well, there's not much of a heist. There's so much that happens in this one episode. Mm -hmm. like, there's just so much story. So many different things are going on and it doesn't feel overwhelming. It's just ram-packed full of goodness. Yeah, there's still a time for a 15-minute fight scene Yeah, with all of that. <laughs> I didn't feel much with Spock, even though he was emoting a lot. Right. I might just need to get back into the characters again first to really yeah, could be able be. to invest. Did they wrap up Lan's storyline a bit fast? They, they chose not to show us any of her search. A bit weird to sort of leave us hanging with that and then just have it all happen between seasons. Yeah, well, it's about the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. And we've got to focus on that. So we don't want to spend yeah. three months with Lan off doing her own thing. That would feel weird. And I strange. Just, yeah, I just thought they would want to show us what life's like without her or something. How she's missed and then, yeah, why hasn't she been replaced? Huh. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Great to see the old Klingons. Oh, yes. Thank goodness. Yeah, so much more fun. Bit hot doggy with the colour, though, and the sort of smoothness. Yeah, they the did makeup. seem a bit monotone with the makeup, didn't mm, it? Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot more texture to them on TNG. Mm. that it didn't feel like was quite there. Interesting but I, ridges. I, I still, I'm still into it. I'm still into it. <laughs> uh, the showrunner, Harry Alonzo Myers, said, we were trying to find something that spoke to the old school Klingons, but that also didn't speak against the ones that happened on Discovery. Well. Uh, this is just what they look like right now. I like to imagine Klingons are a diverse species. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, very whatever. diplomatic. Yeah, and just get rid of it. I guess they were, most of them were involved in both seasons, but... um. Yeah, I don't really think it's like a middle ground between Discovery and TOS and TNG Klingons, is it? It's Not mostly at all. just TNG Klingons. Goldman also pointed to the practicality of the movie TNG style Klingon makeups versus the disco Klingons. Mm. That application was so difficult and really slows down shooting, and we <laughs> have a lot of Klingons. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Probably takes a lot longer to put a bald cap on than a wig. Oh, yeah. For example. And then did they have all the sort of chests to do and things? Yeah, sure. Tor.com praised it highly, but did feel Pike and Number One's absence and hopes we'll have mom and dad back next week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we'll have her back yet. Well. But I... we might have a trial on our hands. Ooh, trial episode. Uh, Scott Colora of IGN agreed that having Pike virtually missing for the first episode of the season made it feel a little odd, calling it an episode that can't quite figure out whose story it's telling. Well, Spock's, really. Yeah, I think so. And, and Chapels and, and Bengas, I guess. Sure. A mixed episode that ultimately figures out what it wants to be about, but not before getting in its own way at times, and rated it 7 out of 10. I'd go for a 7 or an 8, I think, here. 7.5. I just really enjoy this show, and uh, my problems with it were minimal. So I'm going to say 7. 8 means like it's a really good episode. It wasn't yeah. an 8. It's a 7. Sexiness. Mbenga and Chapel looked great in those outfits on the planet. Mm -hmm. Carol Kane was giving it full sexiness. Yeah. Great hair. Gosh, how long does that take, those curls? <laughs> Everyone else is gorgeous as ever, particularly Ethan Peck. But we had to manage without Pike, you know, everybody yeah. likes looking at him. They were supporting each other, being courageous, saving each other. That's all sexy. Four. They're all a very attractive cast. Uh, I see people referring to Strange New Worlds as the bisexual thirst trap. Because <laughs> every if you're bisexual, you can fancy every single everybody, person. Everybody. <laughs> well, it turns people bisexual. Oh. Where you're like, I you know, it. I'm not normally attracted to men, but 
boy, that boy, oh boy, I, you know, those ears are doing it. Everybody, well, everybody is attractive in yeah. that. Who's who's not sexy on the show? Well, we can't possibly say because there isn't anyone. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so four. But maybe we would all look that attractive under those lights with those makeup artists, and you do in any light. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Gosh, a bit of a late save there. Four. I give it a four. Great. Stupid experts. Spock still can't lie, even though he's emotional now and half human. Maybe no. he could strategically lie. That's a joke. Remember, that's the whole thing. They tell people that Vulcans can't lie and they totally lie. Oh, and that's they just the lie. Use it as a thing. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Oh, fine then. Of course. <laughs> Zero then. Should we give the Admiral some? Well, it's very, you know, obviously don't want to get war started, but maybe he should have looked into it a bit more. Yeah, but obviously they were dealing with some stuff with the Gorn, and mm. it did seem pretty dodgy. It's like, yeah, the person that left Starfleet wants you to come pick them up. It's like, screw you. <laughs> I got them picked up. <laughs> Says they've heard something on the grapevine that sounds a bit dodgy. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, come on, we can't, we don't have the resources right now, we can't deal with it. But so, yeah, stupid experts, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm sure there was something, but. Did they really need to take the whole ship? I don't know, it must have been very far away, I guess. Yeah, and also it was very far away. And they needed to get there quick, and they did need the ship, it turns out. Well, yeah. So, yeah, fire, good, good fire. going. Stupid Experts Zero. Uh, your guesses. Well, let's see which of us has won this guess off. It's right. definitely you. <laughs> <laughs> I said Lan had been captured trying to find the girl's family. Yes, she'd been trying to find the girl's family, but no, she hadn't been captured. No. She said, all is not as it seems. Help. Kind of. I thought Pike would say, we can't go rescue Lan. We've got to do this thing with the shipment. No. I thought Pike would say we can't get land because we'd be risking war and we've got something else to do. Well, there was a war being risked, but it wasn't really right. Yeah. Thought Spock would tie everyone up and go for it. No. And that Spock's trying to help free Una. No. How about yours? Well, I was totally dead on about what was going to go on with Ooh. Pike and Una and Spock got put in charge. Yes. Awesome. Good points for me. <laughs> La'an was... I thought in Orion territory, turns out, no, that was wrong about that. But they did have to rescue her. And she wasn't really in need of rescue. She kind of discovered a plot. So I wouldn't really give myself points for that. She wasn't mm, in danger. Might be able to get home the way she got there. Yeah. Uh, and Benga gets into microbrewing. He doesn't. <laughs> if I, but he does my, get into replicating. My second, my second guess was going to be... Uh, Benga opens a music shop. <laughs> yeah, so not. I didn't I didn't get that though. So. <laughs> Try the microbrewing next time. Maybe you'll get lucky. Well, what did you all think of it? No, we're a bit behind the curfew. Another one's come out at time of recordings. So we yeah. need to get on that quickly. How's it going for you all so far? I'd like to thank a couple of new patrons. Welcome, Lieutenant Jason of the K and Ensign Albert Chan. Oh. Also, I want to thank our producer, Rafe Ball, for being awesome, coming up with some great stuff. He is a treasure, and he makes the show so much better. Thank you, Rafe. And thanks, all of you patrons. And thank you for listening as well. And if you want more Rich Watcher Star Trek content on both Strange New Worlds and TNG, head over to our Patreon and join us there for everything. And with that, I'm Rachel Lackett. I'm Chris Lackey, and you've been listening to... Rachel Watcher Star Star 
Trek.